0: with host Ian Hart it's here and ready to talk all things with the Los Angeles Chargers the ex-San Diego Super Chargers as Chris Berman and uh Tom used to say on NFL Primetime love those days joining me as always none other than PFO finest Dwayne the Rock McFarland. Dwayne what's up man
1: man I'm doing good uh if you've been if you see my Twitter any today you know I'm on the topic you you could give a shit about you know looking at the schedule over the course of the season and so i was just hoping like i don't know if i've gotten any likes from you i don't really i need to go look um but you probably haven't you're probably just like you're like who is this guy i'm just gonna mute him but since we're talking about the afc west can i can i can i make one point without being go
0: off out? Dwayne? go off
1: go off <clears throat> so we'll just keep it simple but between the afc west and the nfc west right which are really two loaded divisions anyway. We've talked about that. We've also talked about the fact that they get to play one another. I just wanted to go look and see, okay, now we're early, but Superbook has up uh, point spreads, lines, uh, game totals for all the games. You know, and it's pretty much what you would think. You go look, you find the good quarterback matchups, that kind of thing. You're going to see, you know, the bigger points, et cetera. But based on those latest odds, and then also use DraftKings to do the season totals, the season win totals two quick things to throw at you, Ian 56% of the 50 plus game totals that are on the entire schedule over 256 games. You know, there's 256 games over week one through 17. So that we would expect every, every we team would expect
0: playing. 25% based on yeah. two of the eight divisions.
1: Yeah, every, yeah, exactly. So 56% of the 50 plus <laughs> point games between week one and 17 Go to those two divisions, to the AFC West and the NFC West. Over half half of the games, to just those two. 61 percent of the 10-win team versus 10-win team matchups, so two teams that have 10 wins. 61 percent of those go to those two divisions. That's insane. You know, I haven't been tracking this sort of thing forever. I mean, I've always thought about quarterback matchups in the past, but I've never taken it this length. I also wasn't doing this for a living and had the kind of time that I have now. Um, That has to be some sort of outlier. I mean, Russ going to the AFC West, obviously bumped that up Stafford going to the NFC West last year, what was already a good division. Um, You know, those two things happening, you know, back to back and just the way that these teams have played out. Like I, I eventually will probably go pull the data just because now it has me wondering like, I don't know how far I'll go back, but, but look back some, um, this has to be like one of the, that has to be one of the larger numbers we've had in a long time, just between two, two divisions. That's crazy
0: two divisions definitely i'd be curious where the one division record stands cuz i think yeah. some of those mid two the mid 2010s NFC south when we had you know Brees and Peyton doing their thing Matt Ryan putting up big numbers Cam coming year in year out and then obviously Jameis Winston at least putting up points at pro- some point in time
1: it probably happened to your point in those divisions when they had each other on their non-division schedule cuz that's what's happening here yeah. right they mm-hmm. both they're both strong divisions by themselves and then it's, they get to play each other. And then, you know how sometimes just chance works out and, Oh, the one, the one team you pick up from the NFC South is the bucks, you know? (laughs) So you throw that in the mix for some of these teams. It's pretty crazy. So yeah, anyway, I just, I had to share that. And then just for, you know, I know your, your late season correlation, Ian, just plug your ears for this part from weeks, 15 to 17, the chargers, Buccaneers, and Rams. Each have two 50 point games on their schedule, accounting for 60% of such matchups over that stretch. And I actually agree with you, Ian, that the further out you get um, from like today, from present, like the less actionable all of this is. I think you really do have to follow the quarterbacks because that's what we know is sticky. There's so many injuries, all kinds of crap's like going to come into play. Um, But at the end of the day, if you can keep your quarterback standing, right, you still have a chance to have some of these shootouts. But we saw, we've seen it, even when the quarterbacks start to lose their weapons, like what Brady looked like over the second half of last season versus the early part you know it affects them as well so i don't I don't want to get over carried away carried away with that P- but part of your disdain is why i wanted to do this not to irritate you but because just thinking broader strokes like how can we maximize using the schedule overall right and then if it also happens to work out in weeks 15 and 17 if you could be doing both of those things at the same time then i think that's a that's a pretty cool concept um so we've already talked about this but i think you legit Right, could draft all AFC West, all NFC West players, sprinkle in Bucks, sprinkle in Cowboys on those teams. Like, And you would probably have, well, one, we know there are really good players on those teams. But number two, every week you're going to get these huge blow-up potentials. The other thing I would like to look at, just going back and we can move on, we can talk about the Chargers. <laughs> um, but we know that we get these outlier seasons, right? Where you have, um, for example, you know um cooper cup has been a good receiver he's already been a top 4 receiver before in his career but last year like everything comes together right and he has this enormous blow up season some of that probably really does tie to how many huge matchups did you have in that year where both teams just had to keep everything pegged right because if you're you know playing against a bunch of other average to below average teams most nfl teams Outside of like the Bucks and the Bills and the Chargers, when they get ahead, like they start to take their foot off the gas. We have a few teams that won't do that. The Chiefs also historically haven't. I don't know if they'll be the same like that this year. Um, But I think that's something that's interesting to think about. Um, The last note on it is just that a lot of these teams that you guys can go check out my Twitter feed, but Pat Thorman like immediately retweeted it. And most of these teams all uh, and I hadn't even looked at this part yet, but they rank really high in uh, situation neutral pace, which also makes sense. And typically those teams also coincide with teams that have good quarterbacks. So anyway, this will be up on the site tomorrow and you guys can check it out. Back to
0: AFC West
1: Chargers, Ian.
0: As I need to reiterate every single time you bring up the schedule, I am not rejecting a piece of the puzzle. (laughs) I just laugh at the fantasy community's general sentiment. Some I think are a little tongue in cheek joking around others. I'm not so sure about more or less building your entire lineup around what's going on in week 17. If we're going to do that, let's at least do it right. Everyone. I want some meteorologists out here telling me what the weather is going to be like in Cincy on January
1: 1st.
0: What's it going to look like in green Bay on January 1st because again if we're going to go out and go out on a limb like this let's go all the way like don't you know if you're going to make a mistake make a mistake a full speed Dwayne McFarland. you know how it goes I don't know if that really hey helped. hey. to be
1: honest something I did notice and I have to look at it even deeper but I did notice some of these point spreads tailing off in the cold cities in the end so I think Man. some of it's already built in like so for example Buffalo Cincinnati Cincinnati's got 50 point burgers you know against you know Tampa all their good matchups look really good They play um, with the Buffalo Bills at the end of the season. It's like 46. That's the the point total right now. So I think, honestly, using the point totals from the books, um, they're calculating part of that in there because of wind, snow. Well, we know snow doesn't matter as much, but wind is so huge in Buffalo and then the temps.
0: Yeah, and then also, I brought this up before, but just historically, particularly from a DFS uh, perspective, we have seen players underwhelm relative to their salary-based expectation in the second divisional matchup during a season. Makes sense enough to me. Already has a game of film later in the year, all things of that nature. So, now that we got you know our entire schedule, now we got Dwayne, Dwayne's schedule manifesto findings out of the way, let's talk a little bit Los Angeles Chargers. Coming off a 9-8 and eight season, had that amazing Week 8 team against the Raiders where they came up just short despite Justin Herbert's best efforts. This was really a good team, though. Plus 15-point differential last year was actually – Let's see. Seventh best in the AFC. I mean, look, the Chargers were 9-8 and eight with a plus 15 point differential. We had the Dolphins at 9-8 and eight at minus 32. The Steelers at 9-7, and seven, minus 55. The Las Vegas Raiders were 10-7 and seven last year with a minus 65 point differential. Only the Texans, Jets, and Jaguars were worse. So really did have a reasonable argument to say that the Chargers, despite not making the playoffs, were the second best team in the AFC West last season. Accordingly, they did go ahead and bring back the entire coaching staff head coach Brandon Staley offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi and defensive coordinator Ronaldo Hill are all back for their second season with the Chargers what to expect from Joe Lombardi first of all Fantastic having Brandon Staley as head coach. I know he's running the defense, but just his fourth down decision making, being as aggressive as he is, that's always going to be good for Herbert and the rest of the offense. With Lombardi last year, sixth fastest offense in situation neutral pace uh, situations. Also, just looking at the fourth most pass happy offense in non garbage time situations. The only negative here, Dwayne, is the fact that Lombardi is tweeting Justin Herbert like a late career Drew Brees. And Seth Galena, PFF's finest, wrote a great article on this. I think like in late November last year. Last season, but they just weren't letting Herbert attack downfield quite enough, and we'll get to kind of the specific stats later with that. But just here's one: I mean, the rate of just throwing the ball at least 20 yards downfield, your classic deep ball rate last year. Here were the bottom seven quarterbacks: Daniel Jones, Tua Tagovailoa, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Brissett, Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, and Justin Herbert. Like we make fun of a lot of those guys for being in this group for this very reason. Not Justin Herbert, because you watch the guy for five minutes and you understand that he can make any throw on the field. Unfortunately, Lombardi and company were not putting that on his plate. Not saying that's going to be the case in 2022 or 2023 and beyond, but Dwayne, at a minimum, that's the only somewhat red flag I see. But to be honest, it didn't really make a difference in terms of Herbert putting up big fantasy points. So whatever. If you gain 80 yards on eight passes versus 80 yards on two passes, they're still 80 yards.
1: Yeah, I think part of it is also <clears throat> just the roster makeup. Like um, we know receivers own a good portion of their dot. I think quarterbacks play a part, coordinators play a part, right? It all really comes together. But typically, like the pecking order of the way dot works out is, is usually the same. What was interesting is that Mike Williams, for whatever reason last year, which was OK, that's how we got the huge blow up at the beginning of the year they just didn't use him the same way that he had been used prior in his career running him downfield. They, they really did actually use him the way that, you know, a lot of times we laughed, we laugh at coach speak, you know, in uh, mini camps, OTAs training camp. But the whole buzz was like, Oh, he's going to be playing this Michael Thomas role as we all laughed, <laughs> you know, that whatever this dude's been a down the field threat, you know, it's a 15, 16, 17, eight, I guy. Oh no, they really did use him that way. So, I think once they decided to use him that way, we know the way you use Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler's an underneath option that really a lot of your targets are gone right there. And then your outside deep threat options are really Guyton and Palmer, which we like, but are they really, you know, scaring defenses or are, the, are they, they're just not going to be your first read that option yeah. that often. So <clears throat> some of it's probably that that's why I really wish like, and nothing against Palmer. I like Palmer, but like, Man, I would love like for them to have like man, if Robbie Anderson was on this team, Will Fuller, Dwayne. Will Fuller would be the other one. We you know, we've talked about him. Um, there was another one we talked about anyway. A deep threat like that to really open things up, man, that would just be like another gear for Herbert and maybe. Maybe, you know, Joshua Palmer, you know, can come on Josh Palmer, Joshua Palmer, you know, he's called different things um, (laughs) on different websites, but um, yeah, just on the chargers, you know, the thing that I love, um, you know, over the last two years with, with Herbert now last year, really obviously was the first one with Staley um, and with the offensive, you know, system in place with um, Lombardi, but looking at them, um, their plays per game, they've ranked first and second, that's excluding overtime since we can't predict overtime. Um, and so looking at that, they were 6.3 po- uh, plays per game above the NFL average in 2020, and they were 2.5 plays per game above the NFL average last year in 2021. So, um, you know, it's a pass balance. It's pass almost almost. It's more of a pass heavy team, actually, yeah. at this point, pass heavy team. Um, and, you know, they just like to keep the pedal to the metal. Like, what else can you really ask
0: for uh, when we think about, you know, all the weapons that Herbert will be feeding? Exactly. You know, I'm kind of picking out a small detail here in terms of hoping they get that average target depth up. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Either way, pass happy offense is going to move with a lot of pace. This is the exact sort of team that we should be thinking and planning on producing multiple highly relevant fantasy receivers in this passing game. So let's go through some of the offseason transactions. transactions uh, last year's backup running back week 16, I believe hero against the Texans, Justin Jackson remains an unrestricted free agent just 26 years old. Like I really don't understand why he is still a free agent. Maybe it'll be something like the chiefs where he just ends up, you know, we saw Jarek just come back after a period of time when we were wondering why he was still a free agent. Maybe Jackson does eventually, but for now he is an unrestricted free agent as we record this on June 14th. Still pissed we missed that Jarek news, but you know what, Dwayne, that's life in the big city sometimes. At wide receiver, Andre Roberts signed with the Panthers. He was mostly just their return man last year, and they went ahead and replaced him with DeAndre Carter on a one-year deal. He has a little bit more of a proven uh, receiving workload than Roberts had. but at the same time, not expecting him to be more than the number five on offense. Tight end Jarek Cook remains an unrestricted free agent. Wasn't all that good last year, 34th in PFF receiving grade, 31st in yards per out run. They did go Ahead and signed Gerald Everett to replace him with a two-year $12 million contract. $8 million guaranteed. I mean, Jared Cook only had $4.5 million guaranteed last year. So at a minimum, seems like Everett will be slotted for that same role that Cook had, which did produce over 80 targets in this offense. Also, a note that Steven Anderson signed with the Cardinals. Wasn't exactly putting up, you know, massive numbers uh with the Chargers or anything, but this was an offense that used Three tight ends consistently throughout the year with Cook, Anderson, and Donald Parham. So just taking one of them out of the picture will be good for the other guys. And finally, did draft Texas A&M running back Isaiah Spiller in the fourth round. Profiles as a potential lead early down compliment to Austin Eckler. But let's remember, they do still have Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree there. Finally, fullback Xander Horvath in the seventh round. Not expecting him to be more than a sub-package player, if anything. What really stands out to you here, Dwayne? If anything, for me, just based on this, it's the fact that Jackson's out of the picture because that really is a very valuable handcuff role. And as we know, Austin Eckler, he did get over 200 carries last year, but he's not someone they're going to completely force feed the ball on early downs. So that situation, as well as the musical chairs at tight end, because if there is an offense that we maybe want to take a chance on a little bit less talented player than usual, this is it.
1: No, those are the two things. Isaiah Spiller gerald everett and of course i mean we'll we'll break them down more but you know eckler's said as much that he doesn't want to be an every down back like he's trying to conserve years on his career he he wants to get plenty of touches but he doesn't want a 300 carry workload plus all the receptions like he wants someone there to help give him a breather so i think it's a deal where coach player like the whole team is like a line on the way they want to use eckler which for us is all good because we just want to keep you know, Austin Eckler, all we want is you healthy, man, um, because whenever you're playing and you're doing your thing, whether it's, you know, on 10 rushing, you know, you know, attempts and 10 receptions, like doesn't really matter how he gets his 20 touches. Like, obviously, a lot of it does come through receptions, and that's great for PPR, but just keeping him on the field is, is the key, you know, in this offense. So Eckler's one of those guys that he's getting up there a little bit more in age. So if they can manage, you know, the touches, I think that's a positive.
0: Justin Herbert, QB one. Can you name the backup quarterback in uh, Los Angeles to win?
1: Can I name the backup? And for the Chargers? Yeah. Uh no. Who?
0: Come on, he's been on like twenty teams. <laughs> He's been a Chad Henny. Chase Daniel, five oh, yeah, career Chase starts, forty-one point <laughs> one million dollars earned. The nfl's is the closest thing that we have to Alex Moran. And I absolutely love it. Backup quarterback. Everyone loves him. That's the job. Look at all the quarterbacks he's developed, Dwayne. Would Drew Brees be who he is today without the tutelage of a young Chase Daniel? I mean, yeah, but you can imagine. All right. No, I just, don't think he would. Yeah. <laughs> just let's just let's focus the rest of this podcast on Chase Daniels' uh, career in. Impact. Okay, with Herbert. Truly, his mixtape of throws last year, absolutely incredible. That throw he had against the Giants to Jalen Guyton was maybe the single best throw of the entire season. You guys saw what he was able to do in Week 18 against the Raiders. Multiple fourth downs just with the season on the line. One great throw after another. So if you're more of an advanced metric person, though, PFF passing grade over the past two seasons among 44 quarterbacks. He ranks ninth, 12th in QB rating, 23rd in big-time throw rate, 2nd in turnover-worthy play rate, though. Only Tom Brady has taken better care of the ball more consistently than Herbert over these past two years 20th in yards per attempt and 19th in adjusted completion rate nobody in the history of professional football has scored more touchdowns than Herbert over the first two seasons of his career with 77 pretty damn good but Dwayne as I kind of alluded to as we were talking about the coaching staff and just the play style of this offense like someone with that arm like Justin Herbert has man Big time throw rate should be higher. of worthy play rate should probably be lower. Like you will take the potential, like just more volatility with that. When Herbert has the potential, just make throws that not that many people on earth can make. I know we had that kind of running joke on football Twitter last year, where it was like only two people on the planet can make this throw. Like that actually does apply to Justin Herbert a lot of the times <laughs> uh, with the things he's able to do. So like, yeah, someone with that arm and just his honestly, like just his athleticism too, should not be 35. First, in average target depth over the past two years. Like he is freaking on par with Teddy Bridgewater. And look, he's at 7.8, and Tua's at 7.6. Like, really isn't that different? Would be cooler if he gets to go downfield more. He's fantastic when he does so. Fifth among 43 quarterbacks in yards per attempt when throwing deep. But Dwayne, who really cares? Because he's already been a fantasy god. Second all time in fantasy points per game behind only Patrick Mahomes at this point. Where are you kind of falling with them? Because right now, I do still think that Josh Allen and Kyla Murray are in a tier of their own at their top. I mean, as I think when we were originally going through the quarterback tiers, you were just talking about how those guys have the chance to throw for 4,500 to 5,000 yards and also add 800 to like 1,000 rushing yards, potentially in a best case scenario. After them, though, I do have Justin Herbert as the QB three. I think he deserves to go ahead of Mahomes and ahead of Lamar Jackson. Man, people are calling for the MVP. I think he's a pretty good bet.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a great player. I mean, he's I've got him in the second tier. Um, you know, along so I've got Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts all there together. Um, and if you want to put Herbert over Jackson, I think that's fine. I just, you know, with Lamar, we've just seen what his ceiling case can be. Um, you know, whenever he truly is unleashed, you know, and can stay healthy, you know, in the run game. Um, and it looks like Baltimore's probably going to be, you know, leaning more back into the run this season, so I mean, <clears throat> I'm fine with both players. I feel like Lamar's extreme upside case is still higher than Herbert's. You could probably argue, argue though, that Herbert's floor, you know, might be a little better. Um, but funny. they're really close, man. They're all they're all good players, but just Herbert, young player, ascending talent. To your point, he's done it before. We like the weapons around him. We like the offense. I mean, there's just not really anything to not like other than can you wait and get another quarterback you like later at ADP? So it's just really about opportunity cost, Um, you know, or is it just versus, you know, you want the upside of a guy like Lamar Jackson because of the rushing. So I, I think, you know, it's fine. It's fine to be taking him. He's a really good player. It's just really more about opportunity cost
0: the floor really is ridiculous. Over the last two years, Jalen Hurts is number one quarterback with 74% of his stars producing a top 12 finish. After him, though, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, and in fifth place, Justin Herbert. Not a fluke, man. I love using the expected fantasy points just to try to get an idea of, okay, who's really overperforming or underperforming? Let's just, you know, single in on the workload. He's been QB8 and QB5 in expected fantasy points per game. Like, Dwayne, we, it's not quite Josh Allen. Like, again, we have Josh Allen as our overall QB one but when we were talking through the bills we were like how does josh allen like possibly bust and we really couldn't come up with something i'm not saying herbert's like a lock for the top five but i really don't know how he doesn't finish as a qb1 this year like if both keenan and mike williams cease to exist then it, things will be tough, but even then, man, like I don't see them just turning around and all of a sudden making this a run first offense. That floor for me makes Herbert worthy of taking over Lamar and Mahomes because while we have seen a higher ceiling from both those guys, we haven't really seen Herbert show off that same floor that, you know, isn't bad for Lamar and Mahomes either. You know, I know we're talking about three incredible quarterbacks here, but to me, it's just seeing that ridiculous floor over the last two years that gets him to nod over, over those guys.
1: Yeah. And I think that's fine. If that's somebody's take, um, I'm just more of a ceiling. Like I want to crush my league, you know, my league mates like into complete, you know, submission. I want them to hate playing fantasy football. So I always just go for the ceiling. Um, you know, um, now look, there has to be some sort of floor. And so Lamar Jackson's floor is still fine. You know, Lamar Jackson's floor, like where it gets tricky, right? Is the injuries. Um, we've seen him get nicked up a bit here over the last two seasons. So you worry a little bit about that. Herbert seems to be, you know, really a pretty sturdy player. Look, obviously, injuries. Are hard to predict, you know, weird things can happen. We don't want any of these players hurt. We love all, especially like, you know, these elite players like this. We love watching them be on the field. But one thing I would say with Herbert, I know the big time throws and some of those things haven't come around yet to your point with a dot, but still like when you look at his touchdowns per attempt, 5.7% and 5.2% over his first two seasons, those are both over the NFL average of 4.8% below the league average and in interceptions per attempt completion percentages, well above the NFL average. So like to your point, like, man, he just checks so many different things. Um and I mean he does and he stays a little bit involved on the ground. You know, he's he's not a complete zero on the ground. Like if you look at his if you look at his scramble rates and things like that, you know, he's right around he's a little above the NFL average. NFL average for for scramble rates 4.3%, he's sitting right at 5%. So like he's not a you know, he's not a he's not a zero there. He's you know, he's probably more on like the Ryan Tannehill spectrum. Like doesn't get you know as many of uh you know, the, the rushing touchdowns, but still solid there. He's had five and he's had three, you know, he doesn't get to go do the cool finger roll, but you know, (laughs) he is getting pretty freaking jacked. Like the, the pictures I've seen of him, I'm like, man, he gets bigger every season. I can't remember who it was on Twitter, but they did Herbert as a rookie Herbert in his second season. And then when he showed up for OTAs, like, and you know, he's just like, basically he's like hulked out at this point. So yeah, I'm excited about Justin Herbert, excited about the entire Chargers offense.
0: Lamar Jackson only has one more rushing touchdown than Justin Herbert over the past two years. That's surprising. Tannehill actually has not beaten. If you tweet that out, you get a lot of Mad Ravens fans in your mentions. Let me tell you that just the tweet Tannehill greater than jackson that's all no added context never (laughs) never dwayne context never matters all right let's move on to running back we both love justin herbert freaking surprise austin eckler isaiah spiller joshua kelly and larry roundtree again justin jackson remains an unrestricted free agent for right now let's talk some eckler first though eckler said because he's been you know breaking into the fantasy industry uh over with liz liz loza over at yahoo fantasy so great stuff by them and appreciate eckler taking it time to you know not hate us like certain other running backs in this division cc josh jacobs but with eckler in mind he said he picked himself first because availability is the best ability and that's why he should go like Man, no, I don't think that's why you should be going Austin Eckler because we're not necessarily trying to predict injuries in this league. If you want to pick Austin Eckler first, it's because he's a freaking badass player and we've seen it really over the past three years, ever since they started giving him the ball repeatedly. 2019, Melvin Gordon has the four-game holdout. Eckler works as the RB6 with 19.3 PPR points per game. 2020, horrendous touchdown luck, but it still works as the RB12 with 16.5 fantasy points per game. Last year, 21.5 PPR points per game. Good for an RB3 finish. And again, not a fluke. Over these past two years, RB10 and RB6 and expected PPR points per game. Doesn't need the rush attempts at full PPR scoring. We'll take all those targets that we can get. Can we rely on this sort of touchdown? Just ridiculous total, though, because that was the big question going to last year. It's like, okay, is he even going to get the goal line carries? I think it was like he had two the entire season before. Everyone was worried about it. He goes ahead last year and does work as the primary uh, goal line back. I believe was fifth in the NFL in total carries inside the five-yard line. So, Dwayne, he had 20 touchdowns and 276 touches. Before that, he had 25 touchdowns and 613 touches. I'll say this, though. I was going into this study because, you know, whenever I'm breaking down these positions. I just try to think of like one bigger question to really try to answer, put a little extra research in. So I went back and I looked at the 17 running backs that have scored at least 20 touchdowns in a season since 2000. And I want to look at their touchdown totals for the following season. Here they are. 31. LT shout out 28, 27, 21, 19, 18, 15, 14, 10, 9, 8, 7, 7, 5 and 0 when David Johnson unfortunately got hurt in like the first half of that game against the Lions. So the average without the David Johnson year is 15.6 and even with it is 14.6 2021 qualifiers, Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler. I'm back in on Austin Eckler, Dwayne. I know he's a year older and everything, but there's no reason to believe he's more injury-prone than these other running backs. He's the lead back in one of the most fantasy-friendly offenses in the league, and he's got the receiving role. Like Honestly, as I'm talking through it, I wonder if I just have him a little low at RB5. I think it's impossible to drop him out of the top five. Where are you ranking and why Eckler among the likes of Derrick Henry, Najee Harris? Uh,
1: I have him third. I have JT, CMC. Eckler. Um, Look, it's just, and that's PPR, you know, half PPR. He's still probably going to be really close. I don't have it right in front of me. And in standard leagues, like he's going to move down. He's going to move down a little bit, but he's doing all the things that we want. Um, You know, he gets all that. He gets the money touches inside the five, 72% of that last year. Um, But they save him. They don't use him. He's one of the few backs where the short down and distance doesn't like correlate directly to getting the work inside the five. But that shows you they're just trying to not like wear him down. So short down and distance, he handles 42% of the team's work. But inside the five, he handled 72% last year. Um, you know, he gets about half of the rushing attempts. And I think the big thing for me, you know, and you've kind of already hit on it, Ian, with some of the stuff you're saying, but I just don't, you know me, I lo- I love to study the profiles. I like to start to look, you know, are there any cracks? Is it getting stronger? All those sorts of questions. I'm always asking myself around every single player and with, Eckler, while we've seen a little bit of deterioration, like in his yards per route run, um, 274 to 171 to 155, those are still like really strong numbers for running backs. And and RB1, you know, typically has a 1.32 yards per route run. He's still above that, you know, his targets per route run 21% last year. Man, he's been so good. 25%, 25, 29, 26. I tend to lean into thinking. Honestly, you know, remember last year, uh, and I don't know if you have it up in front of you, um, but he played through injuries in a couple of games. You know, we had games ne- we didn't know, if, yeah, we didn't know if we were going to have Eckler and he gutted his way through it. And I think that's part of what he's saying with the, hey, the availability matters. He plays through injuries, you know, and he does it well. Like he was playing with a bad hammy and you would watch him just not completely open it up once he would get clear into the field um, and even almost kind of head over, not not take the easy way out, but just kind of be like, okay, where am I going to take this hit or get to the sideline and save it, you know, because I don't want to blow my hamstring out. And so when I look at that and then I look also for his underlyings for his explosive rush rate, you know, he's been at 11, 13% and 11%. The league average is 10 and a half percent. Missed tackles, force per attempt, you know, a little bit of drift, but still at 18%, the league average is at 17%, yards after contact, 3.0, that's above the league average of 2.9, so, like, he's still above the league average and everything, drifting just a little bit, but he's still such a value, Ian, um, from a PPR standpoint, he gets so many of the targets, and the fact that he was playing injured, um, and he plays in this offense, he plays in a great offense, I mean, he's going to be 27.4 when the season when the season starts, right? He's not 29, not 28, you know, next year I think we'll have a little bit more to worry about, but he's not near that 1500 carry mark that we get that, that kind of makes, you know, us, us anxious about guys like Derrick Henry. And even with Zeke, you know, Melvin Gordon or the guys this year that really have that hanging over them. Um, I'm good with Eckler. Um, and in fact, I think early on, you know, when I was drafting, I pretty much would go ahead and take, um, Jamar chase pretty much every time over Eckler at this point, it's like, I'm mixing them up just because Eckler to your point, like the, the, the scariest thing is like touchdown regression. So his rushing touchdowns 12 last year, one, three, three, two before yeah. that, but, but when you calculate the fact that before that in his career, so last year, 73% of the carries inside the five, they gave him that role before that only 12%. Only thirty-six percent. Yeah, uh, it was So for that, when I see something like that there's a reason it wasn't just random variants they actually said look we're going to give you the role inside the five and he rewarded them and based on what they did in the offseason we like Isaiah Spiller we'll talk about him in a minute I don't see him taking the inside the five work away from Eckler so um, for me I really do like Eckler I don't see how you have him outside of your top three personally in and it's, it's it's I find it offensive
0: <laughs> offensive I will say in full PPR Definitely has a good case. He's in a, you know, I, I like to say it whenever uh, whenever we start barking about, it, it's like, hey, chill out. He's in the same tier, man. You know, just because I have him ranked lower doesn't mean that's you my can't excuse. Warrant it. <laughs>
1: I use I, that one.
0: <laughs> I will say this with uh, Derek Henry and Najee. To me, their best case scenario is going to be about 400 combined carries and targets. For Eckler, it's going to be closer to 300. So I just think despite being on the worst offenses, that's just so many more touches. And honestly, like we talked about it with the Titans, I mean, seeing Henry's actual targets on the up and up last year before that injury, Najee actually a similar pass game ceiling despite some of the potential issues going on Trubisky. I just think there's enough of a volume differences but still even
1: go with those guys even whenever you factor in look because we have to factor in career arcs right they're you know where they are you know in age and carries i'm factoring like, that in dwayne but at
0: the same time i like derrick henry is so not you think, gonna, derrick henry go not gonna ahead. be as good in 20 he'll probably this might be the worst version of derrick henry i don't think that's going to stop the titans from giving him the ball 400 times
1: so you'd rather take Henry knowing that he could break down, it's more in his range of outcomes than it is for Eckler.
0: Aren't they the same age?
1: Yeah, it's all about touches. I don't know. uh Henry might be one the t- the year. Henry, touch- Henry, Henry the- Henry's a year. Henry's a year older. um But Henry fifteen hundred
0: he was- touch study shows that running backs are not going to be averaging rushing yards above expectation in the same way, which I think we saw from Derrick Henry already last year. I don't expect him to be as good. At the same time, I just think there's so much freaking volume that he doesn't even need to be as good.
1: Yeah. See, that's where I'm out. I'm, I think, you know, just, there's also just the bigger chance he hits the complete cliff where it's just over, you well, know, what's like over that, that, for Derek Henry. Like, like,
0: what do you think? He's just going to run for like 800 yards on 300 carries. Like,
1: well, no, like, but I think as, as he him? carries that up, as he's carries that up, the risk of injury continues to go up. He now has a foot injury. He's a big dude. Um if the efficiency goes down, if they can't move the ball as well with AJ Brown, like I mean, I think there's a lot of factors with derrick Henry. You,
0: you like, could argue I, that Eckler had more different injuries last year than Henry's had his entire career.
1: Yeah, I mean you could. Um <laughs> I just I'm I I think Eckler's a slam dunk over Derrick Henry personally. I, I, it's not a conversation to me. It, not, it in the a, same
0: tier this was a huge conversation this time last year. <laughs> Let's not use uh, you know. Four months of data to completely outrule it. They're in the same tier.
1: Oh, not not my tiers. Those are, those are Ian's tiers you're talking about. <laughs> my goodness. Dude, I'm on a lot of medicine for my cold. So <laughs> that's probably what's happening. <laughs> you're like, God, Dwayne's being so aggressive.
0: What about Najee? Someone that does have the same targets. Does it, it just come down to you take the Chargers over the Steelers, even though we're yeah. probably going to lose? Yeah, but I, I do
1: up. have those. I do have those in the same tier. I have those two players in the same tier. Okay. Um, I just, don't, I just don't have Henry in the same tier. Henry
0: is going to bust. If he gets hurt,
1: just like yeah, all I, these other guys. So I have McCaffrey, Eckler, Najee in tier one B Henry is at the top of my tier one C, but basically I'm going to take all the receivers over him Hen, over Henry. Yeah. Like Eckler, I'm going to mix him with those other receivers, Najee little less so, but I'm going to mix him in with the other receivers. Um, once I get to Henry, like all the receivers in, in the tier uh, that goes through Stefan Diggs and Devonte Adams, you could argue Adams. I might coin flip it a few times, Adams versus Henry. So that's what happens, right? It's the opportunity cost, like the other players that I'm starting to look at too. And that's, that's why I don't have Henry at all. Like this season so far, maybe I have him once. I was about I'm to say,
0: man, him. like, Hey, this is always your rule of thumb. Are we going to come back and regret not having Derek Henry? That's very possible.
1: No, I I agree with that. I, I Derek Henry is one of the few older players um, that I can remember that I I do agree that there is a case that you look back and go, oh my god. But but the problem is, it's a first round pick. So there's so many. What else I can get for a first round pick lessens the chance of that really being the case for me with Derek Henry. So. Um, but if it was like third round, like absolutely right, because I hear some people like, I don't care about Derek, can he fall the fifth round? I'll never take him. I'm like, Well, that's nuts. Like, if he gets, I dude, you saw me in the hard way draft with all those grizzled, um, FFPC veterans, dude. I was sitting down at the one two, I took Cooper Cup coming back my way. Derek Henry still on the board, um, for Austin Martin, who had taken Austin Eckler in the first round, he got to take. Austin Eckler, and then he comes back with Derrick Henry. I did immediately, you know, I DM the group. I was like, well, you know, I'm not a huge Henry lover, but, like, if you give me Henry, like, anywhere in the second round, I'll take Derrick Henry. You okay. Um, at the, it's, at it's basically the about football what football runs. If yeah, the fantasy
0: football gods were like, hey, Dwayne, just so you know, you can't tell anyone, but Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler, they're not getting hurt this year. They're both going to play 17 games. Who, who would you pick? Uh, I would still take Eckler. We're talking about like a hundred to a hundred fifty touch difference here,
1: yeah, but we I want the- I want the targets, I want the receptions, oh man I mean that's such a huge difference, and I like the offense better it um, is a
0: big difference, but when we have a hundred plus carries to make up for it, that's plenty,
1: yeah, here's the thing though, the fantasy gods are not going to come say that to me, and so like I have a process that I follow like and I the only way that I really do that I win money and do so well at fantasy football is I follow it. <laughs> Because as soon as I start going with my gut of, well, I'll make this exception for Derek Henry. I'll mix him in. But like I've been doing it, you know, and I, so it's like, as soon as I get off of like what my process is, like, it's like, then I kind of like lose my way. And then I all see. of a sudden I'm just kind of like everybody else. I'm like, well, okay, I guess I'll take Derek Henry this time. I guess I'll take this other person this time. So look, I, I do agree that Derek Henry has an upside. And I've said this. I said this, I've said it all off season when I've written about him. As being a player that I'm not targeting, and and for the players I'm not targeting, there's only like one or two that I feel like I could regret, and Derrick Henry's one of them.
0: For the record, DraftSharks.com, who we use all the time with their lovely injury history uh, information, they also have injury predictor information, and for their money, Austin Eckler has a higher chance of injury, more projected games missed, and a similar durability as Derrick Henry. Like, doesn't shouldn't we be more in on Derrick Henry not being as injury prone because the dude's fucking 260 pounds like what's eckler soaking wet
1: yeah i think i think with henry like it's not just injury prone like it's all the things together like he's just dude he's gonna be he's gonna be 28 years old this year he has a ton of work on him like we just know how this goes for these backs there's no need for me to have to take the risk on him like if he goes past adp and i get a chance to grab him a few times i will i actually look i love draft sharks but i don't know that i agree with that Like now I probably haven't done as much research as they, as they, as they have done on it. So I would like have to really, you know, look at it like, dude, I used to write for them like way back in the day, like early two thousands, I did some IDP stuff for draft sharks. They were like my first like real job in the industry. And then I left and didn't do anything in it for like 15 years. But like, and I love all those guys over there, but I'm not sure that I necessarily agree um, with what they have on Henry versus Eckler.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've missed about the same amount game, of games the last two years. I just, I reject this idea that there's this. Uh, if Henry doesn't get hurt, I, I don't, what's his floor like? RB eight or something?
1: I don't know. But what's uh, look, man? You're you're not going <laughs> to just, uh, full, you're, uh, you're not gonna change my mind. I'm
0: just trying to, man. I just a fool. You're
1: not going to change my mind. I'm just trying to, man.
0: I don't consider myself this Henry Homer, but my god, to just completely write the guy off. That's uh, I don't know. Uh, the one thing I like to do, man, is not to assume injuries are going to happen when the guy's healthy right now. Derek Henry's healthy right now, but we know as
1: players get older, right? We know that the it's a one year
0: difference
1: doesn't matter, man. It's like oh once god. they start to get older. Like the cliff starts to come and it can come so fast. There's, I don't need to do it. There's other really good players I can take where I'm getting. So why don't we you know, drop Derrick cup? Henry. Why
0: don't we drop cup to like wide receiver six and we'll take the because younger Stephen Lamb the, and the younger it's different. Why? Oh, cause the volume involves different. versus running backs. It's yeah. different. They're two it's different like things. Six year difference, man. It's there's a difference. I think you're holding this more against Henry than other players. That's just my two cents, but we have now talked long enough about Eckler and Derek Henry. Let's talk some Isaiah Spiller, who does
1: some leagues together and I'll let you take Henry and I'll pass it and I'll be happy for you
0: great uh presently projects as eckler's primary backup could always be a committee though we have larry roundtree there joshua kelly i would note that like when justin jackson did get that great game against the texans i mean that was far from a sure thing uh that we knew was going to happen i do believe we were on the right side of history uh with that Dwayne. at least knowing that jackson was going to be the primary pass down back which made him the target but just again throughout these last two years it hasn't always been this like okay jackson is the clear cut number two shouldn't necessarily assume. Assume that's the case with Spiller. But here's what uh, the PFF draft crew, mostly Mike Renner, wrote about Spiller in our 2022 NFL draft guide. Where he wins, versatility. Spiller wins by being able to execute any role a half of him, whether it's uh, taking 30 carries in a game, seeing a half dozen targets, or being assignment sound and pass protection. Spiller won't look out of place. What's his role? Gap scheme running back. Spiller has the size and pedigree to handle in every down roll. He's a better fit for a gap scheme where his overly patient running style isn't likely to be a detriment. Where he can improve, decisiveness. Spiller has to be more decisive as a runner at the next level. He can get away with stopping his feet behind the line of scrimmage to find the perfect hole in college. But that won't fly in the league. Sounds good to me, Dwayne. Sounds like we have uh, the perfect backup handcuff one to target, a theoretical three-down RB where if Eckler does get hurt and the Chargers like Spiller, he doesn't need to leave the field because of a big hole in his skill set. I have him right now, RB 47, alongside Rashad White and Tyler Algier. I think he's a great, you know, 12th, 13th round pick right now in best ball. He has a pretty damn high ceiling and maybe just maybe like Tyler Algier, he could be one of these flexes with benefits where we actually get some standalone value. Wouldn't, be that hyped about the standalone value. I mean, last year, Justin Jackson, Larry Roundtree, and Joshua Kelly combined just had 137 carries and 33 targets. Like that, you're not going to feel good about starting a guy with that sort of workload, even if Spiller gets all that, which is a tough assumption. But again, God forbid something happens to Eckler, which I know in your opinion is like a zero percent uh probability. But if it does, Dwayne, Spiller's could be in a good spot.
1: Yeah, I would take Spiller. Um, I mean, I've been drafting Spiller. Um i I think he has a much better shot than someone like Roundtree or any of these other guys. He has more draft capital um he played both ways you know he was a good you know rusher and receiver in college you know he just flunked the combine that's really all that happened to isaiah spiller so i think he's a i think he's a good player um i think the chargers know that, and i think he's the you know i don't know like what what percentage of he'll of eckler's work like he'll get but i would you know I give him the biggest chance out of any of these backs that we've seen on that roster, including Justin Jackson, over like over the last several years, to actually get the whole thing. You know, it, it may not well, work out that way, but the chances, at least, I think the chances are higher that Spiller does get it versus what we've seen with the other guys. the The other guys, the other problem is they just haven't done anything. You know, Justin Jackson was really the best one, and to your point, he's not on the roster right now.
0: If Jackson does come back, that that
1: muddies things. If
0: Jackson, I was about to say. Back. I don't want to say we completely be out on Spiller. He's certainly slid down the ranks, so. though.
1: Yeah, you're still going to take the younger back with the upside. And if it doesn't work out, you cut him off your roster, right? At that point, you're not. If the, the, Here's the thing. If Justin Jackson comes back now, he's still probably not getting drafted anyway. So Spiller will be. So you take Spiller in your draft. It doesn't work out. You just work the waiver wire whenever the season starts.
0: I would just be concerned because I think at that point, the handcuff value, all of a sudden, if Eckler gets hurt, it's I would be projecting a committee as opposed to now. Could be the Spiller show, but yes, another one of those late round running backs that you shouldn't feel too bad about snagging. And hey, if you want to handcuff, you know, Eckler with someone down that low, far more reasonable than, you know, going with uh, Zeke or Pollard or Jones and Dillon, where you're really tying up multiple uh, high to mid round picks. So with that in mind, everyone want to give a shout out to our friends over at Manscaped. Gentlemen, Father's Day is just around the corner. Did not know that. Thanks for the heads up. And our friends at Manscaped are here to ensure all the father figures out there are looking daddy material this June. Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, which includes their signature lawnmower 4.0, is the perfect bundle to tackle any and all old man hair from head to toe. This right here is no dad joke. Treat him and yourself and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at Manscaped.com. Trust me, his dad, Bob, will thank you. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping with the code PFF at Manscaped.com. Also note that the best, play to play fans, best place to play, my goodness, Ian, fantasy football this summer is Underdog Fantasy. Their best ball mania term it has $10 million in total prize money, and the best part is you just draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. There's no waivers, no trades, no in-season management. Take Derrick Henry and just watch him put up all the points throughout the year, or don't, and you know you can just uh, live and regret and wondering what if the whole time. So either way, the champion of best ball mania last year, drafted in June, so there's no time like the present to join Underdog and take your shot at million dollar draft plus underdog is going to double your first deposit up to 100 dollars when you sign up with the promo code pff also if you play 10 of those dollars using promo code pff you get a free pfs description so what are you waiting for head to underdogfantasy.com or the app store play 10 dollars with code pff and draft your best ball mania team today we've already gotten this heated before we got the keenan allen man i'm i'm nervous I'm nervous for the next 30 minutes, Dwayne. Keenan. I'm
1: going Mike- to make you put glasses on so I can punch you in the face. When <laughs> so I, I have to, like, at some point get you back for that one.
0: <laughs> Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, Jalen Guyton, and DeAndre Carter looking like the big five wide receivers with the Chargers. I do wonder, Dwayne, like, to your point about – them adding a field stretcher. This could be a sneaky roster to maybe get one of these last remaining wide receivers out there. They get to live in LA. They get to catch passes from Justin Herbert. Like there are still a handful of good receivers on the free agency market. Josh Palmer is so cheap right now. Like no one's going to come in and take away from Mike or Keenan. So I'm not overly worried about it, but just don't be surprised if it happens. I'm I'm really going on a limb there with that take. But okay, last year, Keenan, Mike Williams, pretty much identical PFF grades. You know We have Williams leading the touchdown battle, but we had Allen basically getting featured ahead, uh, 23.4% targets per route. Williams was at 21%. They finished the season as the wide receiver 11 and wide receiver 12. Overall, on a per game basis, Mike dropped down just a little bit obviously Keenan Allen is a bit older than Mike I believe two and a half years older for those counting at home and we do know that the history tells us the high end wide receiver performance tends to drop off once a player turns 30. I was coming in this article Dwayne I was ready to Fight back against Mike Williams being as high as he was. I knew I had Keenan Allen higher. I was ready to come in here guns blazing after, you know, and I'd say these team previews are taking me about four hours a piece or so to get through after getting through it. I think the answer to Keenan versus Mike Williams is both. They're both. Top 12 wide receivers, I think they both need to be treated that way. I agree with the sentiment that Mike Williams is on the rise and Keenan Allen may very well be on the decline. But man, if we're going to bet on a 30-year-old wide receiver, should it not be one that catches 100 balls each and every year? Should it not be one with the sort of quarterback like Mike Evans, like Adam Thielen have, if not better at this point in Justin Herbert and in this high-scoring pass-happy offense with no real competition other than Mike Williams out there. So for me, man, it's a play on volume. Keenan Allen still projects as one of very few wide receivers with over 150 targets. Even if we are getting a worse version of him, just seems like there is far too many targets on the table for this For him to bust, man. So yeah, Mike Williams might have the higher ceiling. If you want to put him ahead of Keenan in half point or in standard leagues, that's fine. But again, I just think the answer is both like the idea of Mike Williams just overtaking Keenan Allen. Like to me that just doesn't make sense. They play different roles in the offense. We saw that in the entire second half of the year. Even if they go back to the first half, that just means they're 1A, 1B like the path to Keenan just completely become like busting is either an injury that hasn't happened to him for extended games and freaking five years now i mean you just want to talk about the epitome of why you should be careful calling anyone injury prone it's keenan allen and to be fair mike williams has probably dealt with more nicks and bruises in recent history so that's my take Dwayne. i have keenan wide receiver 11 mike wide receiver 12 if you want to bump Mike up when it's non-full ppr that's okay but yeah let's get them both let's get everyone from this chargers offense we shouldn't be fighting man we should just be happy that we're getting chargers on the fantasy team
1: Well, I mean, I have Keenan at 13, I have Mike at 15, so I'm with you. I like both players. You know, the only thing I've said about Keenan, you know, is just, and again, I do this with every player, Um, you know, as as they start to age, you know, if we're starting, I'm starting to look for different types of things, you know, in their profile, like, yeah, there are a few red flags, you know, with Keenan Allen, like just targets per route run down every year over the last four years, over the last four years, yards per route run and targets per route run down each year you know um gonna be heading into you know his age 30.4 season so he's right there on the verge right um now look i have him 13 so obviously i'm a little bit behind consensus which is 11 on ffpc thanks fantasy mojo it's 12 over on underdog um but i mean i did go in and dig into receivers you know just looking at okay since 2011 when we've seen some of these things or just looking at you know the year uh you know years of experience like what what kind of trends might we see you know, with this sort of player? And so what I found was we've seen 14 different wide receivers post a wide receiver one, two, or three finish in year nine, which was what Keenan was just in. He posted a wide receiver two. Six of those went on to post at least a top 36 finish um, in year 10, which is the year that Keenan is now going into. So 43% of those players went on to have you know, a top 36 year of the next year. Um, one of them was a wide receiver one in Brandon Marshall. So he bounced back from actually being a wide receiver two to a huge wide receiver one season the following year. So we've seen over history, like the that, that players can do this. Um, you know, I then looked at it at year 10 because, you know, I noticed like Andre Johnson and a couple of other guys were hurt in year nine. Right. So they weren't in the year nine sample. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be fair. I'm going to be unbiased. I'm going to just, let's look at year 10 and wait a few guys, you know, that popped out their year as well. So if you look at um, those, it's Andre, Andre Johnson and Julian Edelman. Um, you know, they both went So Andre Johnson had a wide receiver one season, Julian Edelman playing from the slot, like Keenan Allen does went on to have a wide receiver two season. Um, so if you look at it on total, um, looking at year 10, just like I did with year nine. of those players went on to have a top 24, you know, finish in year 11. Now I know Keenan's going into year 10, not 11, but I mean, to your point earlier, like we're kind of close, right? We're all in this group, you know, of your, in your, year nine, 10, 11 seasons. So we do start to see these players fade away. Keenan um, has a deteriorating you know, underlying profile, but having said that one thing I did notice in the data, Ian, are the players that play slot. Typically can hang on longer, right? Um, so we saw that with Julian Edelman, saw it late, you know, in career with Wes Welker, saw it with Larry Fitzgerald. Now, obviously, the players are really good as well, right? And we also see a lot of players make a switch to the slot to extend their career. We've seen it with Reggie Wayne. Um, we've seen it with uh Heinz Ward back in the day. Um, there are a lot of and you know, even that happened with Fitzgerald whenever Bruce Arians came in, he moved in and started playing the big slot. So I think those are positives for Allen. Could we see a little more regression? Is is a possible, you know, is there a scenario where he possibly just really takes a big dip? Yeah, it could happen. He's in the range where it could happen but he plays for such a good offense. Um, He's been relatively healthy lately, Um, gets to play from the slot. There are other weapons in the offense that help protect him from seeing, you know, too much coverage. You know, even if he's not quite the player he used to be, they can still scheme him. I think there's plenty of things for Keenan Allen. You know, there are two players that fit into this that I was really looking at, and it was Keenan Allen and Adam Thielen. I'm much more worried about Adam Thielen, who's two years older than Keenan Allen, Uh, but the ADP also reflects it. Um, So the only thing I've noted with Allen is like, look, it is starting to deteriorate. It, it could happen. It's in the range of outcomes. So because of that, I'm just not going to be overweight on Keenan Allen. I'll be even to the field on drafting Keenan Allen. I'm not going to avoid him. Um, I'm not going to say I'll never take him at ADP. I will draft him at ADP, but and I'll take him when he slides past ADP. I'm not going to reach for him. Like I'm not going to. It's it's something where Keenan Allen's a player that I like. I'm fine with him. I'm just, you know, I'm going to be neutral on him this season um, because I think there is just enough of a concern that I don't want to be, I don't want to look down and be like, wow, for whatever reason, I've got 25% Keenan Allen in the first, (laughs) you know, because he goes in the third round too. Like if he's a fourth rounder, you know, that changes the, the math a little bit, you know, but because he's a third rounder, there's a lot of other picks going right in that range. And look, Keenan Allen's already been pushed up a little bit you know, he probably would already be starting to come down boards. He was a third rounder last year too. But again, we've talked about the swath of receiver receivers that go basically after Allen. Um, it's just, you know, there's a lot of questions, you know, and that's, what's pushing, you know, some of these other guys like Mike Williams, Marquise Brown, pushing them up the board because nobody wants to draft, you know, Deion- well, not, I don't want to say nobody, but, but people realize, you know, these teams are not going to be good and don't have good quarterbacks where you got DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf. There's questions. so. I totally get, you know, the Keenan Allen argument, um, and I'm fine. And like I said, I have them, I have them right next to each other. I will say, I do remember last year though, um, and there was some definite panic, you know, for folks that had Keenan Allen on their roster over those first games when Mike Williams was going off, yeah. um, because Keenan had uh, PPR finishes of. 14 20 32 14 47 32 42 and over that same period was really when mike was going ham right 14 10 2 there was a 106 mixed in there somehow in week four like he scored 2.1 fantasy points next week snaps back with a 36.5 uh and then we know what happened the week after week six he hurt his knee wasn't quite the same the rest of the year we don't know for sure how much of that was his knee Brandon Saley says it was none don't really know how much you can really take the coach's word for it Uh, but towards the end of the season we did see him start to come back into form week 17 and 18 he posted 15.3 and 26.9 PPR points so I do think that Williams potentially carries more upside like if the best case scenario for him hits but I think Williams also does come with more downside I think Keenan even though I'm wor, there's a little more worry with his age profile, his declining metrics. Um, he he's so in lockstep with Herbert. As long as he's healthy, I just don't. And receivers can play longer than running backs, so I give them a little bit more leeway. You know than I do the running backs. I just don't see, um, you know, the floor being astro- astronomically
0: bad for Keenan this year,
1: despite some of the issues.
0: And it's just the wide receivers after that, like Keenan and Mike yes, and man,
1: like it's it nasty, dude.
0: <laughs> the talent there is great, but literally every single receiver I'm about to list. Like, I love the talent. That's fine. They are going to. They have a brand new quarterback to deal with. That could change the target share. That could change their efficiency and some of the stuff that we take for granted. AJ Brown, Michael Pittman, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, Marquise Brown, Cortland Sutton, DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, Jalen Waddle. Like all of them could feasibly be worse with their new quarterback because of the continuity. I'm not saying they will, and I know for some of the guys it is an upgrade, like CC Cortland, Sutton. I get it, but just based on, again, the target discrepancy that we can then look at with them, that's why I'm prioritizing Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And to me, Dwayne, and like the big kind of, again, like my my study I want to do here for the wide receivers was looking at, how are the wide receiver one, wide receiver two, and wide receiver three for top five quarterbacks? Because we all agree Justin Herbert is a consensus top five quarterback. So what's that usually look like when you have someone like that? I went through the average wide receiver one was wide receiver 13. The medium was 8.5 though. Wide receiver two was down to a wide receiver 40 average, but this was being skewed because of the Lamar Jacksons, Cams, Kylers, RG3s of the world. So I took out the quarterbacks that had an over five rush attempts per game. That's at least 80 in a 16 game season. This actually brought down the medians to wide receiver one was the wide receiver seven and the wide receiver two man was the wide receiver twenty nine I know that doesn't sound great when we're ranking Mike this high, but bro, like when we talked about Jalen Hurts and them, the average wide receiver one from our rush heavy QB group was only the wide receiver 27, man. So there really isn't that big of a difference between historically what we've seen from the wide receiver one of a run heavy quarterback, which is what guys like AJ Brown amongst a few others in there are having to deal with. And Mike Williams, who might be the number two there, but he's got such a high productive quarterback that I think we can feel better about it final point here was looking at the quarterbacks that have been able to do this and have produced multiple top 12 wide receivers in the same season over the last 10 years Peyton Manning did it three times Aaron Rodgers twice Kirk Cousins twice Jay Cutler Drew Brees Ben Roethlisberger Matt Ryan Russell Wilson Matthew Stafford and Justin Herbert so man just the fact that we see let's see three six ten quarterbacks and three of them have already done it multiple times like I think Justin Herbert could easily be on this list this time next year as someone has managed to do it twice. Again, Allen does have the extra age, which you know you went over, but with the idea that wide receivers can last a little bit longer, I am cool with it. I almost threw Debo behind him, Dwayne, but you know, some guys are just such big ballers. Like, we can't can't go that far.
1: I still have Debo, Tyreek, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman above him. And I, I have AJ Brown right now above you know Keenan, but it's like you, it's like you said, I'm like I don't know for sure which wide receiver is going to be the wide receiver one for the Chargers. I don't know for I, they're close enough. If I had if you Girl Scout came to the, bo- to the door, <laughs> you're, you're going to say Keenan Allen, but I think it's really close. I mean there's a chance Keenan Keen- is is the wide receiver two, you know, on the team. So I think you could make an argument with why should AJ Brown be above him, but it's just such an elite you know talent profile. It's like, and I'm just not sold quite enough on the Eagles are you know how how run heavy are they going to remain I think there's enough unknown there there's also enough unknown that Jalen Hurts could take he took a huge step forward as a passer last year as much as everybody wants to bag on him like he could take another step forward this year we know that they were pass heavy early last year I'm not going to overweight that I know I've seen some people know agent man they're going to throw the ball 70 percent of the time like they did the first four games no they're not (laughs) they're not they were winning just running like they're going to try to be more efficient but i think it'll probably be somewhere in the middle right i don't think we're going to see as the run heavy eagles that we saw down the stretch last year either it's going to be somewhere between those two probably you know if we were in the madden playbook and we're picking i was probably say they're going to be balanced right down the middle um could be could be run balance you know to pass balance somewhere in there so um but that that would be the one where like i'm just going to go again i'm going to lean to the upside you know with aj brown but i do want to say this it's not to say that Keenan Allen doesn't have upside because even when you're an older player, that doesn't mean you can't have the upside. I I don't like the fact that the yards per route run and those things are declining, but in an offense like the Chargers where you can quickly make up for it, like all of a sudden you score 10 touchdowns and it's like, boom, Keenan Allen could be like wide receiver six. So um, I don't want to sit here and act like there's no upside in Keenan Allen's game because we know he just hasn't got to score a lot of touchdowns, but it's not because he can't get open, right? Or that he couldn't come through like, and that couldn't work out for him this season. The big thing with Keenan, he just doesn't break a lot of big plays. I want to say when I was looking through his game log stuff, I think he had, two career touchdowns i think maybe over like 40 yards like he just doesn't break a ton of huge long plays it's but you know that's he's a slot guy right he's just persistently moving the chains first down first down keeps everything going down the field and then ppr you know we love all those receptions so you know keenan is a guy you know we, we've said it all like a, a couple of red flags but love the offense plays in the slot good you know he's surrounded by other really good players that can help insulate him you know and there are ways that he could come through with upside you know upside is not
0: always just about being young so i'm i was with you on tyreek higgins and debo ahead of uh these guys here's my thing with aj brown the more i think about it um let's say we run this season simulation a 100 times how many do you really think aj brown out of a 100 is the number one target getter ahead of Devontae smith like we're really assuming that, and shout out to the uh, listener that asked that question in our mailbag. Like, hey man, it Devonte is a freaking stud. It it, it could easily be one a one b, and if it's one a one b in a run heavy offense, that's going to be a problem.
1: Yeah, I think that that's that's the big downside case for AJ Brown. If all of a sudden, if the Eagles stay run heavy and it really does become one a one b, and that is possible because when you go look look, I've said very positive things about AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. And I like drafting them both never together, <laughs> but I do like drafting them both. Um, good. Talk about galaxy brain something. Just go take both of that, those guys together with Jalen hurts. <laughs> and all of a sudden they throw the ball 75% of the time. Um, but AJ, you know, Devonta Smith smashed tons of metrics that you want to see for, for rookies, like just smashed them. Not, not, not just, Oh, well, he barely made it. No, he smashed several of these. Now, AJ Brown, has been smashing has been hulk smashing whatever you want to call it gronk smashing hulk smashing just destroying shit for like years uh aj brown's profile is as good as justin jefferson cooper cup it's 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 to this you know i'm not saying he's better than jamar chase but like his underlying data to this point is actually even better than jamar chase i just wish suit could go
0: yeah i wish he could go six months without another freaking knee issue as well i'm I'm with you
1: man I'm with you. I'm with you. But I think when the profile is that good, like I'm going to lean to the talent, you know, ADP, he's 10, Keenan Allen's 13 or Keenan Allen is 12. So I mean, they're close, like they're close in market sentiment as well. Um, You know, but I'm not going to be way over on AJ Brown this year either. Um, You know, so I'm not going to be probably overexposure on either one of these, but I, my thing with AJ Brown, like I just know Ian eventually, I don't know when. I can't tell you when. Um, but like, it's just, it's like, it's hard to imagine a world where A.J. Brown doesn't get to have a top three wide receiver finish eventually. Like, he's so freaking good, but we know it, he could, he could miss it. Like, we've, we've seen what's happened to really good, you know, receivers in the past that never truly got to enjoy that kind of quarterback play that Keenan Allen has had for his whole career with Phillip Rivers and, and now Justin Herbert. You know, A.J. Brown would like just love any piece of that. So, um, yeah, I get it. I, I think that's a fair question. You know, to ask about Brown. And I think that's um why a lot of people do fade him, you know, in drafts. So I think that's very
0: fair. God, can you imagine like how hyped Keenan was once he saw like Justin Herbert's first throw at practice? Like was probably just bummed the whole offseason, moving on from Rivers. He's like, Oh, I'm not gonna get peppered the same way. And he sees that bazooka for <laughs> a right arm. Like, my goodness. All right. Yeah, Herbert special man Josh Palmer, Jalen Guyton. Everyone wants to pretend like Jalen Guyton doesn't exist. But Josh Palmer is the one that if we're going to see Keenan Allen miss some time and maybe even Mike Williams, I do think Palmer is the one that we would want on the squad. Three games with a snap rate uh, north of at least 60% last year, five catches, 43 yards, touchdown, five catches, 66 yards, touchdown, four catches, 45 yards, touchdown touchdown. He does profile as one of the better handcuffed wide receivers out there right now. Obviously, had the third round draft capital from last season. As we brought up earlier, not a guarantee that he's necessarily going to be uh, the number three, when it's all said and done, like I do just think they Chargers are in win now mode. So if they, if Odell Beckham or someone like that says, Hey, I want to come to the Chargers. Maybe they do go ahead and kick the tires on that. But Dwayne right now, man, he is going as the wide receiver 71 behind guys like Alec Pierce, Corey Davis, DJ Chark, KJ Osborne. Are you in on some Palmer at this point? Because he does have a pretty nice best case scenario where all of a sudden it could be week eight and he's Justin Herbert's number two, number two pass game option.
1: Yeah, I'm. <clears throat> I'm in on adding Palmer just because you know you can get him late. Um, yeah. and and the interesting part was previously, really Jalen Guyton had been the field stretcher, right? Um, he was a the guy they'd put out there and basically just say, "Hey, dude, just run some go routes." Run the coverage off, um, but if you look at his A dot from last year, Guyton's ADOT was only eleven. And he had some games like in Week Three, he had a fifty-one A dot that was probably on one target. They <laughs> had a twenty-five, you know, in Week uh, fourteen. But, you know, things like that will pop up in the data whenever you're just looking week by week. But to your point, you already hit on what I was going to hit on once we got the Palmer. It was really Week 14, 16, and eighteen where he got over sixty percent of the routes. You said snaps, so I'll go with routes. and um, 17.6 PPR points, 15.3, 14.5. And I thought you said it perfectly, to be honest. You haven't said everything perfectly on this podcast, but you did that <laughs> for sure. Dude, he is a great handcuff, man. Because uh, look, we already talked about Keenan. There is a chance that he starts to slope down, right. The, you know, there's an opportunity, you know, that the things, more things can go wrong, the older you get, it's just the way it is. Doesn't matter what profession you're in. Like it just happens. It's just the way father time works, you know? Um, So I I like Palmer for that very reason. And he showed that when they needed him to last year, he could come in and he could play the slot or he could also play outside. And he did both. So I really like the idea of that, um, you know, for Palmer, you know, so if you look at his week 14 game, it was, 76% Seventy-six percent from the slot. and if you look at his other two games; it was only thirteen percent and twenty-nine percent from the slot. And those three games we just talked about, where he performed, so he did it from everywhere. Fits right into really what they want to do, which is not push the ball down the field. I guess, Ian to your point earlier, eight out of ten, um, everybody's running routes in the same damn area. You know, just hope you are on the opposite <laughs> sides of the field. People just running and running into each other. Um, so, yeah, I do like Palmer, uh, and I think he's a guy that you know. I, I don't reach for him. There is some people that just love him, um, and I am with you. I am kind of like, well. If I'm going to put a chip down, it's definitely Palmer. I'm not drafting Guyton. But at the same time, like, I, I'm not completely sold that Guyton's out of the picture yet, you know, because really, you know, it wasn't, you know, Guyton last year was, uh, other than the three games where he had the injury, like, he really had way more snaps than Palmer. Like, uh, and again, like, I would expect Palmer to maybe flip that this year. I'm just not going to, not reaching for him, but I, he's a player that I, I like to target at the end of draft.
0: Sorry, dude. Medicine Head is jacking me up. You're good, man. People want to just act like Jalen Guyton doesn't exist, man. I remember uh, two years ago when I think Mike Williams was missing time and it was like Tyron Johnson versus Jalen Guyton and just everyone was on Johnson and then it's like, oh, okay, no, Jalen Guyton is still that guy. I think it's because like when Guyton's catching these deep balls, like it's usually such a beautiful throw by Herbert that we just kind of disregard the actual like catch going on. I mean that New York giants throw was incredible. And like, it does deserve to be on Herbert's highlight phone, but like that's a pretty damn great catch by Jalen Guyton to get open that deep, uh, you know, at the same time. So interesting uh just kind of the way he's been viewed throughout his short career but yeah i think it was i hold on i think it was that sentiment that you brought up of people going overboard on josh palmer because hand up i sent a bad tweet like a week or two ago like midnight or something and i was just like come on guys jalen guyton exists like this josh palmer breakout is not going to happen but when i got into it it's like okay I think rational people out there aren't expecting a breakout. It's he's this freaking cheap. And for the wide receiver 70, just the fact that you have a chance for that guy to turn into Justin Herbert's number two pass game option. That's the alert. That's why we're buying. No, I don't think he's going to carve out like a flex value without an injury that we can even feel good at. But at the same time, Dwayne, like I'm, I'm envisioning us like all throughout the season probably on our friday injury podcast like josh palmer is going to be someone like never hold two defenses don't hold two qbs if you have to get josh palmer on your bench whenever possible because he's one of those guys out of all the wide receivers that are you know not inside the top 60 during any given week one injury to either guy and he's probably gonna be top 36
1: yeah um you know. The thing with Palmer, you know, his targets per route run 15% versus 11% for Guyton. But otherwise, everything else is really close. Like their yards per route run, um, you know, the receiving grades are all kind of close together. You know, Palmer just missed as a rookie that 65 threshold, which is basically cut to 65 to 74.9 receiving grade. Palmer's actually in bucket three, but almost into into bucket two. And we know with bucket three, yes, Devontae Adams did come out of there. So you guys (laughs) will always hang on to that. That's what I get in my DMs or anytime I see a bucket three, Devontae Adams, (laughs) you know, it's going to be, you know, so you're saying there's a chance Lloyd. Um, So, Hey, for all of you that love to say you're, you know, that you're just saying there's a chance and Josh Palmer's your guy. Like, like it is a good offense. He did flash a little bit last year. Didn't hit all the metrics we typically want to see, but you know, you know, where you get him at ADP is fine.
0: I've moved him up to wide receiver 72, just so I will be, you know, in the range to get him at ADP. Let's talk some tight ends before we get out of here. Gerald Everett, Donald Parham and Trey McKitty. Yeah. Donald Parham. I would love for it to happen, everyone. I love spring football more than just about anyone. The dude's an XFL Hall of Famer. They don't view him as an every down tight end. And if you listen to our Beat Writer series last year, Daniel Popper from The Athletic told you guys that like all the way back in March. And you can look at his snap rates. He has only had one career game, I believe, with the snap rate over even 60%. So, like, no, it's not going to happen with Donald Parham. I would love for it to. It's it's not. So, stop it. Stop imagining that already. Donald Parham is a very good, he's a good second tight end. It's going to catch some passes. This is Gerald Everett's offense though. My tight end 15. Maybe we still see some Trey McKitty again last year. It really was Jared Cook, Parham and Steven Anderson. But because of that, Dwayne, I kind of got off of Jared Cook a lot of times, which ended up working out. He didn't have a good year, but I'd see him like all of a sudden kind of busting on games where he actually had five to seven targets or so. He went ahead and had 83 targets on the season, Mentioned before how Everett's getting a much better deal than they signed Cook up for. I think Everett is firmly in that range to be this year's Dawson Knox, an underpriced starter in a great passing game who emerges as a legit fantasy asset thanks to a high touchdown rate on limited targets. I still think Irv Smith and Tyler Higby are guys I take ahead of Everett because I'm more, much more confident in them having a full-time role in a similarly productive passing game. But man, for me, Gerald Everett, he's still going outside the top 20. Like, how high do you rank him? Because I really think there's an argument right now. I have him ahead of guys like Mike Jasicki, Albert O, and Cole Komet, just because I'm more confident, I think, in their passing game and him being the lead tight end there. So, uh bunch of holes i you know david najoku robert Tunyon. those are guys i probably would take ahead of everett so i'm not trying to come across as the biggest biggest uh gerald Everett stand here but i think if you need a three tight end roster in best ball he's probably your guy
1: yeah everett you know he does profile as really a low end tight end one like if you just look at his underlying data points yards per route run over the last three season a 165 a 146 a 134 um Targets per route run, 22%, 21%, 17%. And folks, last year with Seattle was was Shane Waldron. You should just be given a pass no matter who you are. (laughs) Um, Like, just don't even just like throw it out the window. Um, So, I mean, you're looking at a 1.5 to 1.6 yards per route run player with 21 to 22% targets per route run. You know, if we can get him to like 70% of the routes, like, he's going to be borderline. You know, he'll be right there. I think he's in a big group of guys, but I think the, the reasons that you like him, like I agree, like it's a good offense. I don't see him being more than probably the number four option on the team. Like that's probably his ceiling, but if they score a lot of points, you know, and you mentioned like how he gets there is, is potentially through the touchdowns, which is pretty much how any tight end low end, tight end one, anybody in a low end tight end one conversation, all that means is, are they going to score a touchdown this week? That's really what somebody's telling you. So um, I think that Gerald Everett does, fit firmly in that tier. I'm not as bold like on my flag plant with him. I do like it because it's in a good offense. I would much rather have Albert O. I don't really consider that one close, just because with Albert O. Yeah, could he be in a rotation with Dulcich? Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's probably going to be seventy to seventy-five percent, you know, of the routes. And no matter what it is, it's going to be a career high for Albert O. Yes, there's a lot of mouths to feed in Denver. There's a lot of mouths to feed, and you know, for the Chargers, I do like the Chargers' offense from being, you know, more of an up pace offense. I think with with a uh, not Seattle, but with Russell Wilson, <clears throat> with Nathaniel Hackett, probably more of a neutral kind of pace um, from the Broncos who also have, you know, um, I already said that they've already got, you know, they've got a lot of other weapons as well. But just Albert O's underlying profile, even though though it's on a limited, you know, uh, you know, really sample size, like just flat, it just, it's so up there and it could be wrong, but I'm just not, I'm not taking Gerald Everett over it. Like just because if 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 you do happen to be right on Alberto's profile, and for some reason, and here's the other thing with every other receiver we have on the Broncos, I think we still have some questions. Like Cortland Court, Sutton, we like he's had a wide receiver two season, got hurt last year. How much of his down performance was really tied to to Drew Lock? Probably a lot of it. But targets per route run, like getting targets, you know, from Teddy Bridgewater from Drew Lock like it you know i I don't know how much your targets per route run necessarily ties to your quarterback like that's something you should probably still be able to overcome sutton's really moving up in adp obviously guy that we'll talk about you know on the next episode um but i think when i look at tim patrick like him i like him but do i know he's elite receiver no jerry judy we've talked about multiple times we we like him first round pick but also has been hurt don't really know for sure what he is yet so i feel like with Oquabunum, like it's it's a better than zero percent chance that he actually could end up being like the best option on the team. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I think it's in the range of outcomes. And just because his profile is so strong, you know, um, as far as comping to guys like Kelsey and comping to guys like Gronk, like they're astronomical his his numbers. And I know you watched the film, and he had one long play and whatever, but that's part of what drives up yards per route run and all these different things. So for me. After I get past Albert O, then I'm fine. I think there's a group of guys that I really just want to mix in. And Gerald Everett's one of them. But I, I do understand why someone would want to, you know, put Everett at the top, you know, of of a group of five or six guys that probably profile similarly.
0: So yes, again, late round, I'm taking Irv Smith, Tyler Higby, Robert Tunyon, David Njoku, all of them over Everett. Are you with me there?
1: Uh hang on. Let me say him again because I was looking Ir- back to my Ir- ranks. Irv Smith. I'm taking Irv over Everett. Yes.
0: T- Tyler Higby.
1: I uh, have Higby one spot over Everett, but same tier. Robert Tunyon. Robert Tunyon, same tier, one spot below.
0: Okay. David Njoku.
1: David Njoku, same tier, two spots above. So yeah, again, we're on the same wavelength yeah, same overall. Wavelength. Um, you know, so I've got I've got Irv Smith in a tier above. So I've got Alberto. Then I've got Fryermuth, Dawson Knox, Gaseki, Irv Smith Jr., Cole Komet, Noah Fant, Hunter Henry, David Njoku, Tyler Higbee, Gerald Everett, Robert Tunyon. And you're to the end of like the guys I really like <laughs> okay. that I, I want to mix, you know, together. Yeah,
0: I got a lot of things uh, to get off my chest about Alberto and, you know, how you might not even know who he is with a different name if he had six fewer targets over the course of his career. But I'm going to save that discussion, Dwayne for about, you know, an hour when we're talking all things Denver Broncos, because I think people have probably heard us yell enough at each other throughout this podcast. I like it though. We're getting these ranks, right? Sometimes you got to have uncomfortable conversations to feel comfortable about the ranks. It's always a great day to be great anyway. Dwayne lives in Texas, so it's going to take him at least a while to go track my ass down and punch me in the face. So I'm confident I can get away by then. I'm still faster than you, Dwayne. So you're going to have to put on those running shoes. We'll see what happens, but no, this was a good, uh, Uh, good conversation and uh you know again i thought keenan and mike was maybe going to tear us apart Ended up being a little bit of Eckler versus Derrick Henry. But going through quickly everything we discussed, Justin Herbert, consensus top five quarterback in fantasy. Land. I have him QB3. Dwayne has him QB5. We're comfortable being a part on that. Similar difference with us with Austin Eckler. I have him RB5. Dwayne has him RB3. Uh, he is not nearly as kind as I was, you know, just with the difference in that. But you know what? That's, that's just life sometimes. Isaiah Spiller as a late-round running back, someone that we are not against either at wide receiver. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, go get them, everybody. You know, just guys, we're, we're talking about the Chargers offense. Like, that's the big takeaway here. Dwayne brought up, you know, before we even started talking, just the amount of high gain totals we're going to see from this entire division. Like, if your team is going to be stacked with a bunch of AFC West and NFC West guys, you're probably doing something at least a little bit right. And at tight end, Gerald Everett, a good late round target, albeit not someone that we're just going to completely hang our hat on and ignore everyone else in the range. All my tongue-in-cheek, minor insults aside, Dwayne, does that sound about right? That sounds exactly right. Yay. Fantastic. All right. What article you got coming out this week, Dwayne?
1: Well, we talked about the one that will be out tomorrow, and that's really just looking at the schedule across the whole season. Oh,
0: I didn't know that was an article. I just thought that's what you did in your schedule.
1: No, no, no. That one will be dropping tomorrow. And then I may change my one for later in the week. I got you know, you and I need to chat because it was actually, I've got one coming out on how much do quarterbacks really matter, right? For receivers and tight ends. But it sounds like you've already been doing some research. So if you're going to write that, no, I'm not. Uh, then you can, or if you want to share the research with me and I'll just give you credit, like the utilization report, and I'll use some of the, the stuff that you've already
0: researched and it'll just be teamwork makes the dream work. That's that's fine by me, man. Me, me, uh, Excel is your Excel. And, you know, after I scrape all the data, we're Dwayne and I were talking about this, so I don't want to be offensive to any of you actual coders out there, because I understand it is possible to, you know, s- set up an Excel and just have it routinely uh, go out and fetch like new data as it comes in. But if you're like Dwayne and I, and you're just copy pasting rows and rows and rows of data to figure out the answer we need, you're copy pasting. You're not scraping it and you're putting it in Excel. <laughs> you're not putting it into a model. Like spare me this goddamn, like we're talking about fantasy football we we not i don't want to be a banker man let's quit using these fancy words trying to make Fraping, our job
1: models algorithms
0: like, my God, go do all those boring things if that's what you really want to do. Let's talk about freaking football, man. Like, shout out to uh, Matt Kelly Fantasy Mansion, just chastising everyone for, you know, using so much like Target shares, yard shares. And he's like, who do you think you are? Like, what, put a tie, put a black tie on them with that. I'm not completely going that far. But, man, Dwayne, like, the just the need to dress up like these very easy things to make yourself sound more important. Miss me with that shit yeah, let's just have fun.
1: That's what I say. Let's have, fun. have fun.
0: Fun is fun, man. That's my yeah, take. Yeah.
1: To your point, like I left the corporate world. So uh yeah. been there and I love what I'm doing. So I, I think we're checking all the right boxes.
0: Great day to be great as always. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.